My Lupus Living Room is a place to listen to the stories of ordinary, everyday people who are not afraid to share the struggles and successes of living with a chronic illness called lupus. These brave lupians put it all out there to bring us all in. We celebrate people living with lupus. My name is Suzanne. I am a mom, a wife, a business owner, and the CEO of the Lupus Foundation of America's Great Ohio Chapter, and a whole lot more. But most of all, I have lupus. My purpose and my passion are to help other people with lupus. For me, lupus was a lonely, miserable, misunderstood disease. And I'm here to tell you that today, it doesn't have to be. I want to talk more about the things we do not normally talk about. Since lupus impacts mostly women, my lupus living room will have a focus on what it's like to be a woman living with this mysterious, unpredictable disease that has no cause or cure. I know that many would love to connect with others that have lupus. These women are fearless and have extraordinary stories of survival. I'm excited to welcome my not-so-famous guests and with their inspiring stories that offer hope and inspiration to fellow lupians. I believe this project will not only create awareness about lupus, but offer encouragement to those listening. Remember, there is no I in the word lupus, but there is the word us. The Lupus Foundation of America, Great Ohio Chapter, is here for you. For your chance to share your story and visit with me, you can reach out to me at Suzanne at Lupus Great Ohio or call 1-888-NO-LUPUS. So for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to my Lupus Living Room podcast here with the Lupus Foundation and Suzanne and my special guest, Dr. Chanya, and I'm going to screw this, Gonesis Santiago, or better known as Dr. Q. (laughs) And I love that. And she's as cute as could be. You would never know that she has lupus. You know, it's that typical story that, hey, you don't look sick, you know, and that is a challenge. So, um, Dr. Q, <laughs> we well, have an open platform to talk today, and you have an incredible story to share. So, yes, thank you very much for having me. I know my name is very difficult to pronounce, but it is Quinona Santiago. Um, Dr. Q is fine, or Tanya, um, whichever you prefer. But I appreciate being on and being having the opportunity to be part of the podcast and to speak about lupus freely and openly and speak about my experiences and, and um, maybe help somebody else who's on their journey, journey, in the midst of their journey, new to the journey, um, whatever it might be. So thank you. So you and I share that same, I echo that because most people know that I have lupus as well. And I, I, you know, I got involved with the Lupus Foundation because it was a lonely, miserable disease, and I was able to champion it. So I like to share experiences. So why don't you get everybody, you know, you know, uh, Tanya has actually been featured in our Lupus magazine, and she's been around for the walk. You'll see her on Facebook, and she's done a program with us. So why don't you tell them your history and about lupus and what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. So I was diagnosed with lupus at the age of 18. Um, it's, you know, lupus for all of you, um, living with lupus right now, you all know that it's a hard, very, very difficult, um, 
disease to diagnose and it's never really diagnosed right away. And you're, you have to go to multiple specialists, have a lot of tests done, and um, there's really not one definitive test for lupus. Um, however, I was lucky enough to be diagnosed right away. Um, I was in high school at the time and I was in a specialty program that uh, I spent half of my time at the at the hospital and the other half at high school because I knew I wanted to, you know, be a doctor. And um, this allowed me to take college level anatomy and physiology and do rotations with doctors and things like that. And so over the course of, of that semester, we were learning about different pathologies and lupus was one of them. And then I started having very, very strange symptoms. You know, I was always super active, very athletic, um, always on the go. <laughs> Nothing could really stop me. And then all of a sudden I just hit a wall. I mean, I'm, I'm, I hadn't even turned 18 yet. And I, had, was having difficulty getting out of bed. Um, my face was swollen. My joints were hurting. My joints were swollen. Um, I was having a hard time staying awake during class. Um, and then my fingers and toes were going numb, and which I now know to be Raynaud's, right? So I know that's a big, um, that's another comorbidity that most people with lupus have, or not most, but a, a, a large portion of people with lupus have. Um, Raynaud, so I'm wondering why are my fingers turning purple and blue and all of this kind of stuff and learning what I was learning and what I was taking. I said, maybe, you know, maybe I have this thing called lupus, whatever it is. Right. So I asked my mom to make me an appointment with the rheumatologist and, and kind of like what you said when we first started, he said, well, you look healthy to me. Right. But, um, but I'll run tests, you know, and, and we'll see. And, and sure enough, when I had my follow-up, he had a look of shock on his face because literally, you know, there's not a specific test for lupus, unfortunately. Hopefully one day there will be, um, but there isn't. And there wasn't at that time, um, 22 years ago. And um, so he said, every marker that we look for in lupus, you have. So I was fortunate enough to get diagnosed pretty much right away, mm -hmm. um, which is extremely rare. I think it averages around six years, right? So, um, and then, you know, being a teenager and getting ready to go to college, you just say, oh, take this medicine and, and get going and think that everything's normal, right? I think, you know, it wasn't, I didn't get, as most people um, really, a lot of education about it, you know, maybe a pamphlet, this is what lupus is. And, you know, you don't really understand the ins and outs of lupus and really how it's actually going to affect you. Um, and not just you as a person, but um, interpersonally to your, your relationships, you, how you are involved in society and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I pushed through college, I pushed through med school, I pushed through all of that kind of stuff. Um, Flare-ups, you know, had my flare-ups, had them come up and down and all the way around everything that you can think of. Um, and so, but at that point, you know, I'm in school, I'm just trying to be feel and be normal, you know. And I think a lot of us with lupus do that. You know, we, we put on the brave face and we say, we're going to power through this anyways. Um, but it wasn't until... I was done with all my school and I started practicing and stuff that I realized I can't do that anymore. 
and live a normal life and, and be healthy and be happy and have good relationships. And what is it that I really need to do? Um, cause I, at that point I had had pulmonary embolisms. I mean, I, you know, you name it, I had it at that point and I was treating patients coming home and just sleeping until almost the next day, you know, because I couldn't even function. Um, everything was always swollen. And then I was on so many medications, um, and medications for side effects of medications. And I know a lot of you out there can relate to that. Um, but it, but my husband and I just knew something needed to change. And really, I didn't realize for me anyways, one of the biggest things was just accepting the fact that, you know, yeah, you, you know, you have lupus, but you have to live like you have lupus. And I wasn't, Yeah, you know what I mean? I wasn't treating myself as I would tell one of my patients to do, right? I was treating myself as if, yeah, I have this thing, but I can still do anything that I want. That doesn't mean I can't have goals and I can't accomplish things and all, all of that, but I have to treat my body different than the average person has to, can treat their body. I can't just go, go, go. I need to learn how to say no. I need to learn how to put myself first, right? And when I started doing that, when I started making those changes, when I started changing my mindset, I started seeing a significant change in my, um, in my lupus. And, um, but yeah, so that, that was, that's, was the beginning of my journey. Um, I have had a lot of near death experiences with lupus. Um, one was due to a pregnancy. I had, uh, my husband and I finally, my lupus got under control. We decided, we saw the right specialists. Um, they gave us the green light and we start decided to start a family. Um, my husband really, he has a, he comes from a large family, but he was raised an only child and he always really wanted a family. And I've, you know, I always wanted a family of my own, obviously. And, um, in me, I mean, in, we got, I got pregnant and, um, but immediately I started feeling sick. You know, I started having fevers, especially at night. Um, uh, my, I just told my husband one day, you know what, I'm going to, my mom's going to take me in, see, see what's going on with this, because this, this is getting a little bit out of control. And that's the last thing I remember. Um, and I think I was in ICU for, I don't know, even know, six, around 60 days. Um, I couldn't walk. I couldn't really speak. When I did speak, it was reverted to a childlike speech. So what had happened is um, my lupus started looking at the fetus as a foreign body. So we all know that lupus attacks your own body. And, and I, uh, an autoimmune disease looks at your body as though um, it's a foreign object. And so then it sends... sends um, Little attack you're the enemy. You're, yeah. the enemy. Yeah. you're the enemy, whether it's your heart, your kidneys, your lungs, whatever it might be. And at that point, it was it was my child. Um, and so everything in my body started just, you know, went into full on attack mode, unfortunately, against myself through blood clot to my my brain and had a stroke um, and then started having seizures um, and uh so I really don't remember most of, of that. Um, and I think that's God's way of protecting me. Sure. You know? 
Um, but I do remember little bits and pieces and um, so I, did you also have antiphospholipid antibody syndrome because with the blood clots? Um, I really don't remember okay. to be honest with you. And I didn't get a, I didn't get my medical record at that time. I'm, I know my new doctors have it now, but I didn't really go back through um, because when, what happened was I, they finally had to terminate the pregnancy. And then as soon as that happened, I started getting better. And when I was able to go home, I had no memory. So I still could barely walk. I was so deconditioned from not being able to move. Um, and I didn't know who my husband was. I was going to a house that I didn't recognize. Uh, at that time, we lived in Cleveland. And I, I was thinking I was going home to our house in Ohio. Um, and, and everything was different. And I didn't know anything. Basically, I... I lost a huge chunk of time, a lot of which I haven't gotten back. Um, and it left me with uh, epilepsy. So now not only do I live with this, but I, I live with epilepsy as well. Um, and just a very traumatic time. I'm blessed to, to be able to even be here right now and talk to you and tell my wow. story. I feel well, like you know, I didn't know all that about you and I know a lot about you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I see the plus side right now. I didn't, I didn't get, didn't have the nitty gritty of what happened. Mm -hmm. um, but I can tell you there's, there's two other people I know within our, within our close um, constituents that had similar issues. Okay. Okay. And uh, they had antiphospholipid antibodies. That's where the blood isn't coagulating right, but it does cause mm -hmm. miscarriages and strokes and blood clots and all kinds of awful things. Um, so it's like loops of the blood, actually. Yeah. And what's interesting, if you would, if if you would see Tanya right now, she is just as beautiful as could be, and you would never know that she would have had these types of challenges in her life. And so, yeah, you went through a storm. You, you know, you definitely went through a storm. And I can already tell that at the end of that storm was a rainbow because you're radiant right now. Okay. And I remind people that when you go through a storm, okay, it washes away all the ugly stuff, really. And then you start over and you have a beautiful rainbow. And um, I see this beautiful person and you're very successful at what you do now. And you manage your health better. And most lupus patients I find, or constituents I say are, especially the women, are alpha females, okay, or overachievers, or mm -hmm. I got to do it, I got to do it, I got to do it, no one else can. Yes. Okay. And so for us to, I think the hardest part, is, for those of us that are that personality, is to take a step back and say, I don't have to be everything to everybody and the fix-all for everything, and what about me? Okay, because I, I'm guilty of that, you know. Uh, my theory behind it is, is I've had such a difficult time younger that I'm catching up for all the stuff I missed. Okay, yeah. but I am a terrible compliant patient because I need to take your advice. I need to say no and, and smell the roses a little bit. But I'm, out, I'm the one out there planting the roses, making sure they're growing when I should... We should take time just to enjoy the roses. Yeah. And it is difficult to do. I mean, you know, it's difficult when everybody else around you is doing stuff and, and for you to say, today I can't do that. Or maybe I can't participate in that activity. And, you know, 
and it is it's hard too in in certain with certain family dynamics depending on on your family or your heritage or your background you know um especially when you with lupus a lot of times you don't look sick so you're seen as you're complaining or whether it's at work or wherever it might be but um then when you do say no you get that guilt you know what i mean you get guilted um but i and that's what really was one of the hardest transitions for me but then i had to learn how to say you know what it, they're not living with this i am and you know maybe i i say no today but i say yes tomorrow and if and those who really understand and are still going to be there tomorrow right you know? And I do know that through the years, we do make new friends, too. I oh, yeah. obviously have more lupus friends than I do friends from my past because we have so much, we share common grounds. Yes. We're more empathetic. We're not looking for sympathy, but we are very empathetic to the challenges that we can have. So when I have an opportunity that I feel well enough that I can go out and sit with someone, I absolutely love that it's another lupus buddy, okay? Because if I can't cut my steak or my food they understand that i don't have to be embarrassed uh, if bill leans over to cut it for me you know cut for me my was physical strength in my hands after i had a little stroke okay and i don't show that you know i don't show that weak side of myself just like vacuuming for me is a nightmare it's not that i don't want to vacuum it's just the pushing and the pulling of the handle you know there's certain things that i I can do. And there's certain things that I do have limitations to, and I don't tout them. I don't show them to everybody. You know? I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm hoping no one notices. I'm right there with you. And um, luckily it sounds like you have a, a husband that understands in the mind, mind too. And he, he's more like, don't cut those potatoes. Just leave them there. I'll cut them when I get home or don't, you know, obviously lupus affects my hands really sure. as well. So, I mean, so there's things too where luckily on the time during the times when I decide not to say no, I have someone. Oh, we are so blessed, Tanya. You and I are so blessed because we don't see that often enough. Yes. We don't. And then sometimes, sadly, when I do see it, I don't see the person with lupus being having gratitude for it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's a whole nother topic for another time, but I think those who hold us up, we need to show gratitude for them. I yeah. think sometimes I'm guilty of it. Sometimes I'm guilty of it too. I, I'm guilty of it. I, I don't think I say thank you enough to those that hold me up and it takes a city to hold me up to do the things I do. And sometimes I just expect it. And it just, during this last year with all that has gone on and all the people that we've lost and all those people who came caregivers in their own homes because of COVID, mm -hmm. um, we have been through a tremendous journey. And I think that those who held us up really need, we need to show them more gratitude. We really do. And I know that your husband, you know, I know your story with your husband and, and mine, I, you know, I'm 50 years with this guy already. And, and, and he helps me do the things I do. And sometimes I take it for granted. So Bill, if you're listening, thank you. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> thank, thank you, DJ. <laughs> thank for you. sure.
<laughs> I mean, and and it is hard. To, it is hard because we want to do everything ourselves. So sometimes I think part of the pushback for for um, people who have such a you know a, a good support, whether it's your husband or your wife or your sister or your mom, and they they hear that, then what I know what I hear sometimes is you can't do this, yeah. right? When that's not what they're saying. But it's hard when you have that internal struggle, you know. Sure. But you're you're absolutely right. We do need to take more time to be, be grateful for the people who who have stuck by us, who are there. I mean, the the things my husband has had to go through, and I'm sure your husband has had to go through, and and really, you know, nurse us back to life, basically, sure. and and keep stay positive through all that, you know, and be a Think how scared they were and they didn't have us to lean on because they're holding us up, yep. you know? And I think back now to some of the, some of my journey and it's like, and knowing my husband as well as I know him now, it's like, oh my God, he must've been horrified. Yeah. You know? So um, the sad part to this too, is that there are a lot of people who don't have support. I know. You Which know. is why I'm so grateful for the Lupus Foundation. So that's hopefully where we step in yes. and support groups or the patient navigators or just a lupus buddy um, can be there to lend an ear or lend a hand. Um, you know, doing it alone, I just can't imagine. Uh, but there are a lot of people, the divorce rate is like 50% within our population. Yeah. And it's like, how can we fix that? And I, actually this year, I'd like to work on a caregiver's program or a spouse program. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I've seen where some of my fellow lupians just take everything. And some of them aren't faring as well as you and I. And, yeah. and there's no judgment here. It's just some people have different coping skills or, or healing skills healing abilities um but they really do dump a lot on their spouse yes and i've seen it and, and then i feel bad for, for the spouse and i think oh how can i help this person that person needs to know that they need to take time for them and there, there needs to be some ground rules on, on a win-win situation so i'd love to do a caregivers program i think so, that would be great i yeah. mean i do think it's needed i think you know the burnout rate for caregivers is just immense. And they they don't have that other source to lean on because even if they've wanted to open up to who to that person with lupus, they kind of feel guilty because they don't want to dump any more on that person. I have these snowballs in my office and when um, um, they come in, they start someone will come in and start complaining with all this stuff. And every time they complain, they throw this snowball. At them. <laughs> okay. Those, those little soft snowballs. Yeah. And they're sitting there with this arm full of snowballs. And it's like, you keep doing that to your spouse or your caregiver. They don't know what to do with them. Yes. Okay. You're throwing all this stuff at them and they're not prepared to take care of every problem that you're throwing at them. So let us be consciously aware of what our ask is. Yes. So and they have their own stuff they're carrying too that they might not be okay. feel like they can express because they don't want to add to our plates, right? So they're right. carrying all their stuff and expected to carry all of our stuff. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we have to be mindful of, of, of what we say and what we do and who we give it to. Yeah, absolutely. Who we give it to. I love when people ask me how I am. 
And it's like, oh boy. I mean, I really do like when they ask, but I don't think they really want to know. Yeah. You know, because it's like, it's like, oh boy, where do I start? You know, because I can have a whole, if I think about it, I could think of, you know, all the different issues that I'm going with internally. And I put on a pretty good front. But then if someone asks me, I take a step back and think, wow. But my answer, of course, is going to be thank you for asking. Yes. I, I don't go into my laundry list of woes. <laughs> I understand. I'm right there with you. I, I kind of have a different viewpoint. I feel like um, sometimes, and this could just be because I have so much going on, but I feel like sometimes, and I know my friends and family have the best of intentions, but the first thing that people say, you know, is how are you feeling? But in a way that makes me feel more like a patient instead of just like your friend or your sister or your or your coworker or whatever it might be when um, if I didn't have lupus and epilepsy, their greeting would be different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so that that can be for me that can be challenging where I know I've learned to say in my head they're coming from a good place and I've learned to say thank you for asking as well and not give a laundry list of things. But at the same time, sometimes, and I have had this conversation with my husband, sometimes I want want to just say, can't you just say it's nice to see you? You're looking good. You know, sometimes it just, that just would feel good to not feel like a patient all the time. Yeah. So some, it depends on which hat I have in my head that people know I have lupus. Mm-hmm. Or if I have another hat on my head and another profession, I don't disclose it. Yes. Okay. And I do it because I don't want people to think I'm broken or I can't do it. It's a self-esteem issue. It definitely is. You know, I don't know how someone is going to respond to me about it. And the other problem is most of the population, they've heard of the word lupus, but they don't know what it is. No, they don't. You know, they don't, they, they probably think they have leprosy or something weird. You know, it's like, ah. Yeah. Can you catch it? I'll never forget the one time, and this was years ago, of course, um, a girl called me and she worked for a chocolate factory. And I'm not going to tell you the name, but they fired her because they said she had lupus and she was getting lupus in the chocolate. And it was like, oh, my dear Lord. Wow. That doesn't even like it could be a true story. What? It's a true story. What ignorance is that? It's like, oh, my God, do we have a lot of work to do? So here at the foundation today, a few years back, when we asked the question, have you heard of lupus? Do you know what lupus is? Everyone said no. All right. Today, at least they've heard of it. They know somebody with it, but they still don't understand what it is. So we do still have a lot of work to do. We do. We definitely do. We do. But um, so you have you have come through that storm and you're working, you're working part-time, right? Or do you have a full practice? Yeah, I, no, I do. I work part-time with patients and then I teach and um, part-time in the physical therapy program at uh, Cleveland State. Oh, okay. Yes. So little by little, but you're doing more. So, yeah. and But not- I'm also making sure that I'm not overloading my plate. You know what I mean? Making sure I take care of myself. Well, I'm... I mean, I'm very blessed to say that my lupus has been very well managed to the point where we're weaning myself off of 
the last little bit of prednisone that I'm on um, because I've just changed, changing my diet, my lifestyle, my mindset has done a lot for that. It's epilepsy we're working a little bit harder on right now. Um, but, uh, you know, just those changes, I mean, just minor, you don't realize what minor changes. I mean, when you, when I look back, they're minor changes, but when you're changing, they're big because they're lifestyle changes, right? So you're changing your habits, you're changing your thought process, you're changing, um, the way you do things, the way you live your life. And not everybody's going to roll with that. You know, not everybody's going to be down with that. And I had to learn that the hard way. And, and like you said, you're always either you're always getting new friends. You're always, you know, moving through life. And um, I, I love Mel Robbins. Uh, one of her podcasts, she said something um, that reflected with me really, really well. And she was talking about relationships like a tree. And she said something to the effect of you have to look at relationships like a tree. A tree has roots, it has a trunk, it has branches, and it has leaves, right? You know, some of your relationships will be leaves and they'll fall with the change of season and then you'll grow some new leaves, you know, but some will be the trunk and the roots. And those will those are, the, you know, those grounding relationships that are never going to change no matter what. And that really hit me because and that I listened to that at a time where, I was having a lot of those relationship issues because of transitions that I was making personally for my health and well-being, um, and and it's true. I mean, when you when you really think about it, that's really that's really the way things are. And um, and I feel I really believe you go through things for a reason. Um, you hear things or do things for a reason. And, and when I heard that, it was came at the exact right time, right when I needed to hear it. Um, and, you know, you have to really just learn to do what's best for you, even when it's hard. Isn't that the truth? That's a whole mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, we're 31 minutes in, and you are a very passionate young lady. Um, and I, I know you personally and professionally, and... I think in order to be passionate, you have to have compassion and you are full of it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you are full of it. And it's, it's, I'm thrilled to have you sadly be a part of our lupus community because you have lupus, but we're going to get through this together because there is no I in lupus. So Tanya, we want to thank you for joining us. It's your birthday month. Is it, or was it last month? Yeah, it actually is. My birthday was on Thursday, this past Thursday. Such a celebration. Every time one comes, no one knows how excited I am because when I was 27, they said I wasn't going to have any more. So, oh, you know, gosh. here I am in the, you know, just, just only 70 and I'm celebrating every year because when someone tells you that you live with fear all of your life. Yes. Okay? Mm -hmm. So happy birthday to you. I know you have a fundraiser going on in Facebook. It's quite kind of a robust goal and I hope you meet it. Thank and, you very much. Uh, we hope to see you more, and I'm sure you're going to be a bigger part of our community moving forward and getting rid of this crazy COVID world we live in. Absolutely. So, yeah. We want to thank you for all you do in your own practice. I know you make a difference in other people's lives, and you are seeing the rainbow from your storm. All right. So, everybody, thank you very much for joining me today in my lupus living room, talking to real people about real lupus 
And um, Tanya, thank you for sharing. And, and you have a wonderful birthday month. Okay. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So she may come back and edit something if it doesn't sound right. And really, we just I just like to talk real people, real stuff, nothing scripted. Just conversation. Yeah. Just conversation. Let's talk. Everything I do at the foundation usually has to be so scripted and so black and white and so thoroughly vetted. And so this gives me an excuse just to be us. Yes. That? that is nice. It's very it's nice. Sad. And I think I think that makes it more real and relatable to people who are listening. Yeah. So we are um, bringing in, a, you know, a new team this year. I have a turnover here with the staff. The younger staff is harder to hold on to these days. We're hiring a new marketing team and uh, we're going to be figuring out a way to enhance the podcast and send them out for bigger audiences. Mm-hmm. We're going to make some more digital changes because it appears that that's the world we're living in now. Uh, I miss the feely, touchy, huggy people. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully soon we can go back into have some type of normalcy with in-person programming. And I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, that will be good. But um, you have a wonderful day and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was a. All right. Bye. Remember, there is no I in lupus, but there is an us. Until next time, this has been my lupus living room with the Lupus Foundation of America's Great Ohio Chapter. For more information and resources to help you in your lupus journey, please visit lupusgreatoohio.org or call 1-888-NO-LUPUS. The funding for my lupus living room is an earmark from the state of Ohio and managed by the Ohio Department of Health. Your physician is the best person to help you in the treatment of lupus. The information you learned here today can be discussed with your doctor as your physician knows your medical history best. Please do not make any medical changes without consulting your physician first. As with any treatment, stay educated and get information from from trusted sources.